Arise and fear not. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. In just two days, we will be celebrating the Feast of the Transfiguration of our Lord. And this is often a feast that we kind of forget, or seems to me quite left aside, although one of the three epiphanies of our Lord, and therefore as important as the two other epiphanies or manifestations of our Lord, Bethlehem and the wise men being one, and his baptism by St. John the Baptist being the other one. So please allow me to give, some, give you some considerations for this upcoming feast. We see in the Gospel of the Feast, if you remember, the Apostles are on Mount Tabor with our Lord, and our Lord is being transfigured in front of them, all resplendent. So, first the Apostles, and there we see first the Apostles and their third, their triple acknowledgement of Christ's divinity. Triple acknowledgement of Christ's divinity through their public act of faith, hope, and charity. They have been established in their faith through the affirmation of Christ's divinity by Peter. If you remember, to us, Christus, thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one. They have been strengthened now in their love for God, in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see that in the Gospel as well. Lord, they say, it is well, it is good that we should be here with you and for all eternity. Proof of the love they have for Christ and the love Christ has for them. So faith, charity, and finally, hope. The apostles are confirmed in their hope through the voice of the Father himself that can be heard. <clears throat> This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. They hope for the reward promised to them if they follow his voice. Why do we call it an epiphany, by the way? It's simply because the Trinity is clearly manifested at each of these three epiphanies. Here in the mystery of the Transfiguration, we have the voice of the Father that can be heard. We have the love manifested through this glory, through this, this shining light, shining light on Christ, the Holy Spirit, and Christ himself, of course, present. present. So every time we have the Holy Trinity present, same as Uh, during the baptism of our Lord. We have the voice of the Father, we have the dove coming down on Christ, and Christ himself. And with the Magi, with the wise king, what they bring, the presence they bring, manifests here again the presence of the Holy Trinity. But then another aspect about this mystery of the transfiguration is given by the apostles. Their hearts, their souls, their body seemed for an instant to have become almost angelical. They seemed for an instant to have reached heaven. And indeed, they have been living witnesses of the glory of God in this new epiphany, this new manifestation of the triune God. We were not following fictitious tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ, says St. Peter. But we have been eyewitnesses of his grandeur on Mount Tabor. And all of a sudden, their heart and their mind cannot support the vision anymore. The glory of God is way too bright for them, too overwhelming for their own understanding. They are convinced 
and cannot doubt anymore that the same man standing right next to them is God, and that God the Father, resplendent in glory, is summoning them. Ipsum audite. Listen to him. That's the voice. Listen to him. Hear what he has to tell you. And their reaction can be surprising at first. The disciples fell on their faces, says the gospel. Fell on their faces and were exceedingly, exceedingly afraid. This might be too often our reaction when God manifests himself to us in many different ways. And when we realize the frailty of our nature and the hard task ahead of us to even just grow a very little bit in that love for God, in that holiness to which we have all been called. We have seen God in a way as well. We have received His teaching. We have seen the beauty and experienced the attractiveness of His universal call to holiness. We have witnessed His presence thanks to the many sensible or spiritual gifts He has given us in the past. Maybe as a young convert, who knows, maybe as a young altar boy, maybe as a young good Catholic woman or gentleman. And now He might subtract His more palpable presence from us. Now the path on which we walk might seem as dry as a desert. The situation around us seems, once again, quite desperate. Everything that our forefathers have hold as invariable and changeable truth principles are now at stake. Fear seizes us. Discouragement, maybe as well. But, sorgite et nolitimere. Sorgite, the time has come to rise, to waken from our spiritual torpor. That spiritual sloth, that spiritual languor, and especially probably during this time of vacation time, this summertime, that spiritual fear that also might paralyze all our faculties. You can stay with your face down and your eyes staring at the ground. You can remain in the dirt of your sins. You can stay with the shame of your bad inclinations. But you cannot ignore this merciful hand that comes and touches your shoulder, telling you, Arise! Arise because I have been victorious over death, and my blood was not shed in vain. If you are here today in this chapel, it is exactly because God in His mercy has called you in a particular way, despite all your imperfections, to become first a recipient and then also an instrument of His grace. There is no other alternative. We have been created, image of God, and to Him we shall return. Only one way, only one choice, holiness. Your baptism and your willingness now to unite yourselves more closely to His sacred heart have set you on that unique and necessary path, holiness. And this call is repeated for us in the epistles of the epistle of today's Mass for the 8th Sunday after Pentecost. Now you have not received a spirit of bondage so as to be again in fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption of son, as sons, 
by virtue of which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself gives testimony to our spirit that we are sons of God. But if we are sons, we are heirs also, heirs indeed of God and joint heirs with Christ. Samuel Ullman, that I like to quote, wrote, although he was not Catholic, in his wonderful poem, You are as young as your faith, as old as your doubt. As young as your self-confidence, and I add, because I'm a Catholic, confidence in God. As old as your fear. As young as your hope, as old as your despair. And a certain great Catholic professor said recently, to become saints means doing the will of God. Doing the will of God means obeying His law. In particular, when this is difficult. And we have the word of prophecy, affirmed the great St. Peter. We have the word of prophecy, sure still, to which you do well to attend, as to a lamp shining in the dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Nolite timere, time not to fear any longer. Christ is at our side. It is I, fear not, Matthew 14 and Psalm 22. I will fear no evils, for you are with me. He gives strength to the weary, says the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Daniel. Behold, the hand touched me and lifted me up upon my knees. Lift up your heart, lift up your head, lift up your soul, lift up your whole being to Christ, Him and only Him understands fully your misery, your weaknesses, and can take upon himself the burden of your sins and imperfections. Indeed, a first form of fear uh, has to be considered, that fear of God, which is caused by the sinful remembrance of our sins, which, of course, disturbs, saddens, and troubles us. But that same fear also that Adam felt in the garden, But a much profound fear also exists. And that fear is a gift, a gift of the Holy Spirit to the soul, which inclines our will to a filial respect for God, removes us from sin, displeasing to Him, and gives us hope in the power of His help. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.